0: Hello, and welcome to Power Pros Podcast, episode 189. I'm your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and with me is my co-host and nemesis, Akage no Pitokun, (laughs) also known as Pete Michaud.
1: (laughs) Kululimpa, Chris. (laughs) You can
0: say that again, Pete. (laughs) We are back once again to talk about what's going on in the world of Nintendo, and naturally that includes some game impressions, some news, and then... This episode's big topic, which is the best of 2019. You know, maybe we're a little late. We're already two weeks into 2020, but that is our big topic nonetheless. However, first off, before we get to that, we are going to kick things off with some game impressions. And Pete, you know, I haven't been playing anything completely brand new, but I did start playing a game that came out late last year, and that is Ring Fit Adventure.
1: Ah, I'm excited to talk to you about this because I am curious (laughs) about this game.
0: So, you know, this is obviously not a traditional video game. It is pretty much just a way to make exercising fun. And the package includes not only the game software, but also the RingCon, which is this big plastic ring and you place the right Joy-Con into that and then you you know push it and pull it to sort of exercise your muscles. And then there's also a leg strap and you put that on your left leg and place the Joy-Con into that and you know wrap it around your leg. And that's how it measures leg
1: exercises. Yeah, it's almost like you got your gun tied to your inner thigh, you know, just in case stuff gets a little dicey.
0: Well, it's really supposed to be on the front of your thigh <laughs> and I don't think I'm going to shoot anybody with it, not in this game, but I'll keep that in the back of my mind. (laughs) Anyway, as far as the game itself goes, the adventure begins when you release Drago, the spandex-wearing, exercised-obsessed dragon. (laughs) And then immediately after that, you meet Ring, who is this big Ring, and he is the personification of your Ring-con. And wouldn't you know it, he enlists your help in tracking down Drago and putting a stop to his evil schemes of (laughs) whatever he's planning to do. All right. And so to do that, you jog in place to proceed through the levels, you aim with the ring con and squeeze it to fire air bursts, and so you'll hit targets to get coins, and you'll aim downward and squeeze it to make an air burst, that makes you jump. You can also pull the ringcon outward to suck in any coins that are nearby. And, you know, you're doing this all while you're jogging. And so you're aiming and squeezing and jogging. And, you know, doing that all simultaneously, all this multitasking, it can get a little bit challenging, you know. <laughs> uh, rubbing your belly and patting your head at the same time, you know.
1: <laughs> right. Or grooming your beard. Uh,
0: yes, exactly. And then on top of that, when you encounter an enemy then you have to fight them, and you do that by exercising. So you get to select from any of the exercises you have available, and then you do a set. And with each repetition of the exercise, you inflict damage. So you know maybe you choose squats, and every time you crouch down and stand up, that inflicts damage. And you'll do that ten times in a row, and oh, maybe the enemy will be defeated, or maybe you have to do another move to take him out. And you can't do the same exercise twice in a row, so you're always sort of mixing things up, to be able to vary your exercise patterns. And of course, the enemy attacks you back, so you have to do an ab crunch with the ring con to defend and reduce damage. So, you know, that's what the basics of the game are all about. Initially, you have four moves. You can do squats, you can do an overhead press, you can do this knee-to-chest move, where you sort of sit on the floor and just, you know, bring your knees up and back, and then a yoga chair pose. So sort of a lot of, uh, you know, squatting exercises there at the beginning. Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, before and after you play, the game explains how to do stretches to warm up and then cool down. So yeah, that's mostly what the game is all about. Hmm. I played through the first world in one sitting, and I have to say, I worked up a pretty decent sweat.
1: <laughs> it seems like you probably would. Was it unreasonable for level one? Um, I wouldn't think so.
0: No, not at all. And, you know, it will ask you some questions beforehand, so it tries to tailor it to your ability level. And, you know, I think I seem to have gotten mine pretty much right on the money, but you could make it easier, you could make it harder. Yeah, I first started playing it two days ago. You know, I only burnt, like, 80 calories, estimated. But, man, my quads were pretty sore from all of those squats <laughs> and chair poses I did. And, you know, I was not able to play the game the following day. I was pretty much sore for... Pretty much the whole weekend. Wow. But then today I felt pretty good, so I fired it up, I played again. This time I only did one stage in the second world, but, you know, it convinced me to come back, and hopefully I can keep it up. Ah, that's cool. And then on top of the adventure mode, there are also these 12 mini-games that all sound like they came out of a Mario Party title. (laughs) There's Robo Wrecker, Arrow Shoot, Squat Goals, Crate Crasher, (laughs) Squattery Wheel, Thigh Rider, which just sounds like something else altogether. <laughs> Bank Balance, Bootstrap Tower, Core Crushing, Gluting Gallery. I haven't tried that one yet, and I kind of don't want to know. Smack Back and Dreadmill. Ah. Uh, and then there are also just regular playing exercises if you want to do that. Out of the minigames, I've only played a couple so far. I played Robo Wrecker, which is kind of like Whack-A-Mole, but played by rotating and squeezing the ring con. And then Arrow Shoot which requires you to hold the ring con over your head and then pull it out to slow your descent. And then you'll know, line up to get these tokens as your character is falling. And I like pulled out on it for way too long and really wore out my arms like, oh man, man, I can't keep this up. And I'm just like, nope, I'm just going to fall away to the bottom. <laughs> the minigame seem well-designed from what I've played so far. But yeah, it's a fairly robust package.
1: Now, do you feel like it's a full-fledged game or do you feel like it's a, you know sort of like a Wii Fit kind of thing where... Maybe it's less of a game and more of a collection of mini games. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's definitely somewhere
0: in the middle. It's a lot more of a game than something like We Fit. You are going from level to level, you're proceeding through stages, you're leveling up you're earning new moves, you're getting experience points, you're getting money. I haven't found anything to buy yet, but presumably I will soon enough. So yeah, it does have a lot of very gamey elements in there. And, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to say, oh yeah, this is really fun or anything like that. But I would say it is a very successful gamification of working out. You know, it does have a full-fledged adventure mode. Like I said, it does have the mini games as well. And if you do want just plain old exercise, that's in there too. So uh, yeah, I think it's Pretty Much got you know what you'd be looking for if you're just trying to make your exercising more fun.
1: That's cool, yeah. I definitely have considered picking this up. I was at Target a few times over the holidays, and every time I went in there, they didn't have it. So I assume no, that, really? that it must be doing all right for Nintendo. And um, I actually just read an article that said that people are now speed running this game, which <laughs> <laughs> really sounds brutal, but uh, yeah
0: hmm Interesting, interesting. Now, I will warn you, I did have a couple of problems with it so far. All right. Now, first of all, you do kind of need a lot of space. Mm. And honestly, my apartment is probably too small for an ideal workout. There are some exercises I know I can't properly do. When I'm doing this knees-to-chest thing, I'm in grave danger of, like, <laughs> you know, kicking my switch across the room.
1: Luckily, you're super coordinated.
0: <laughs> uh, luckily, I just pushed the sofa back a little bit. <laughs> And then the second problem is that the leg strap for that left Joy-Con just kept sliding off. It was either a little too loose, and it would just start sliding down my leg, or it was too tight, and the Velcro would pop off. Mm. And, you know, you really can't do it over pants or loose-fitting clothing. You either have to do it over really tight workout clothes, or you just have to do it, you know, straight- on your skin. So finding that sweet spot was definitely very challenging.
1: Yeah, I think if I got it, I would probably just do it completely naked.
0: Oh, I don't even want to think about that.
1: <laughs> I kid, I kid.
0: Also, one more thing, and you know, this is weird coming from me since I'm Mr. Physical Media, but it would kind of be nice if it had been downloadable software because- What? Well, that way I would be less likely to slack off because, you know, this way I don't have to, you know, remove Pokemon from my machine to uh. start working out. You know, it would already be there and be like, okay, all I have to do is- push over and start playing it and I can start doing a workout. I mean, I guess I already have to, you know, change my clothes and put on the strap and put the Joy-Cons into the thing. So it is a whole ordeal already, but still, you know, that'd be one less obstacle in the way preventing me from doing a workout, you know, any particular day. So it would be kind of nice to have that option, I think.
1: And they currently do not offer an e version. Is that right?
0: That's correct. You you need to get the physical package because you need to have the strap. You need to have the ring con. So they figure, hey, you know, might as well just give you the physical game card as well.
1: Right. That's kind of what they've done with Labo and all that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, like I was saying, it's probably not the most fun game you could play, but I do think it is something worth trying if you want to make exercising into more of a game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've definitely liked Nintendo's past forays into exercise games Mm -hmm. which is really weird to say but yeah they all seem to have some charm and you know just looking online about this uh, it seems like when you go to like bestbuy.com amazon.com people seem to really be giving it positive reviews so uh, it's an interesting uh, concept and seems like it has a little longevity
0: yeah i mean other than those couple issues i mentioned i really don't have too many complaints and it certainly has a lot more personality than most exercise games you could play. So if that is something that piques your interest, I would certainly recommend checking
1: it out. All right. Well, I might just get it so I can beat all your high scores. (laughs) All right. Bring it on. As a true nemesis.
0: Okay. We don't have any other game impressions this week, so let us move along to some news. And first, we have some breaking news. As we were editing this episode, Nintendo and Sakurai held a Smash Direct and unveiled the next DLC character for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Byleth from Fire Emblem Three Houses. Both the male and female versions are included, but they're not just a sword fighter like all the other FE characters from before. Instead, Byleth has a sword, an axe, a spear, and a bow in true Fire Emblem fashion. Even so, despite Three Houses being a fantastic game, I find this to be a pretty dull choice for a new character. It's just hard for me to get excited about yet another Fire Emblem representative in Smash when there are so many other choices. I'm also disappointed that there was no news about Amiibo Amiibo! for any of the Fighter's past characters. On the other hand, the new Cuphead me fighter costume looks pretty cool, and it is good to see that six more characters will be coming in Fighters Pass Volume 2. Let's just hope they aren't all from Fire Emblem. Anyway, love it or hate it, Byleth will be out on January 28th. We now return to our regularly scheduled Power Pros news, picking up with the Pokémon Direct that occurred not too long ago. Yeah, this one kinda came out of the blue. Well, I don't know. They didn't give us too much warning. But regardless of that, there was certainly some interesting news coming out of this presentation. And part of that was what they had to say about Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield. There is an expansion pass on the way for the most recent mainline Pokemon game.
1: Yeah, this was kind of a big deal. Were you seeing this thing coming at all?
0: Uh, I guess I really wasn't. It kind of took me by surprise. But, you know, when they explained it, it kind of makes sense. You know, as they were saying, usually they do have a follow-up. It's usually an entire separate Pokemon game. But no, not this time. This time you just pick up from your save in Sword and Shield and just, you know, start from there. You don't have to replay the entire game like in past Pokemon follow-ups. So for me, I think that is definitely a good thing. You know, I think that kind of prevented me from caring about, you know, say, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, I just kind of stopped playing partway through because it was like, okay, I'm pretty much just retraying the same ground, but that's not going to be an issue in this case.
1: Yeah, there's actually like a couple things about this that are pretty interesting. One being, yeah, the fact that you can pick this up where you kind of leave off in your other game. And then not only that, you know, typically they expect you to pay full price for another version. Whereas this is in, if you think about it, to me, it almost feels like it's half price, even though I know it's DLC. It somehow feels like more of a bargain.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that, because the price is twenty nine ninety nine, And to me, it feels kind of like a lot. I mean, yes, it is only half the price of the full game. But in the past, Pokemon games were only like 30 bucks. So I feel like, oh, okay, this time around, it's 90 bucks for the whole package. You know, when it was a DS or a 3DS or a GBA game, you know, you'd get two full games for like $60. So I don't know. I kind of feel like it's on the expensive side, personally.
1: Yeah, I guess the thing is, if they released like an Ultra Sword, Ultra Shield, you would expect that it would be a full fifty nine ninety nine Right, right. So I definitely see your side. It just seems like, to me, it seems kind of like a win-win. But maybe it's just because I love DLC.
0: Well, there are definitely two ways to look at the price. But yeah, regardless, we are certainly getting... Plenty of new content for this game, and it is coming in two parts, and both of them contain new areas, new characters, all new Pokemon, and returning Pokemon. In fact, it's going to be like a total of 200 returning Pokemon. So, you know, for everyone who's complained that there weren't enough Pokemon in this game, there certainly feels like there's plenty to me. You know, hopefully some of those complaints can be alleviated with this. Also... Both of the areas in this new DLC are full 3D exploration areas with a movable camera, just like the wild area. and I think that's pretty cool, too. Yeah, for sure. So part one is going to be the Isle of Armor, and that comes out in June. And it takes place, obviously, on an island. It is off the shores of the Galar region, and it is supposed to have very varied terrain, beaches, forests, caves, bogs. And apparently it's very Japanese themed, even though the Galar region is supposed to be British. For some reason, this island is Japanese. (laughs) And you go to like this dojo and train under someone named Colonel Mustard who killed Pikachu with a candlestick in the library. (laughs) That's not true. Oh, no, you're right. It's just someone named Mustard, not Colonel Mustard. That's someone totally different. My mistake. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, you also get these new Japanese-style outfits for your characters, and there are new rivals to encounter as well, which vary depending on which version of the game you're playing. If you have Pokémon Sword, your new rival is Clara, who's this kind of boring-looking pink-haired girl. And then if you are playing Pokemon Shield, your rival is someone named Avery, He looks like this crazy magician with an ascot and a huge <laughs> top hat. And he's like got floating Pokeballs all around him. And I really want to fight that guy. <laughs> but unfortunately, my game is Pokemon Sword. So there's no way for me to do it unless I buy Shield from the ground up. Because yeah, there are two separate versions of the DLC. You have one if you own Sword. There's another if you own Shield. And if you get the wrong one, it's not compatible
1: and you're out of luck. Yeah, sucks to be you.
0: <laughs> Which version do you have? Do you get to fight Avery?
1: No, I also have Sword. Aha, uh-huh. sucks to be But you. I'm not... <laughs> it does, but uh, I have no obsession with fighting Avery. So,
0: <laughs> Okay, fair enough. In addition to those trainers, there is a new legendary Pokemon named Cub Foo, mm. who looks you know pretty much like a fighting-type teddy bear, but then evolves into Arusha Fu, who's like you know this massive grizzly bear. You also get to use the Evolved Starters, their third forms being Rillaboom, Cinderace, and Inteleon, and then you are able to Gigantamax, which you cannot do in the main game. So there's all that, plus new clothes, experience booster, and other stuff. So yeah, that is all there in the first part of the DLC. Then the second part is the Crown Tundra, and that is coming in the fall. And unsurprisingly, that is set in a snowy, mountainous area of the Galar region. You know, it's winter all the time. There's some sort of crazy-looking giant tree. (laughs) There's an ancient temple to explore. Apparently, you even get to go inside those Pokemon dens and uh, see what's going on in there. Plus, you'll get some new winter outfits for your characters. This one also has a new legendary Pokemon. It is a psychic grass type called Calyrex, and it kind of looks like a bipedal deer or rabbit with a ginormous melon on its head
1: yeah and like a weird great necklace or something
0: (laughs) yeah i'm not quite sure what's going on there but uh, yeah in addition there's also going to be some new co-op content for exploring those aforementioned pokemon dens and there are also a whole bunch of new legendary pokemon there's past legendaries there's new legendaries you know find them all hanging out somewhere in the crown tundra plus if you beat both of these, the Crown Tundra and the Isle of Armor, there's even more post-game content after that. So, yes, it certainly does sound fairly robust. I still feel like 30 bucks might be a little steep, but you know, maybe once we know the full breadth of that, I will be singing a different tune.
1: Yeah, I actually kind of like that these are coming out kind of staggered because uh, you know, it kind of gives you reason to come back and pick up the game and play it again.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And also, you know, even if you choose not to get the expansion pass, you will still have reason to return and play the game because you know all these new Pokemon that are going to be in there, you will still be able to get those either by trading or in the case of older Pokemon, by bringing them in from older games via the Pokemon Home service, which launches next month. I mean, that is a paid service, but at least there is going to be a way to do it if you want to get some of those additional Pokemon in there without paying for the whole expansion pass
1: yeah it's pretty cool that they're allowing that
0: yeah and plus there's even an update right now that put more gigantamax pokemon out there more plentifully with a recent update i mean i don't even know how to use the gigantamax pokemon myself but they sure do look cool you know
1: (laughs) yep even bigger than dynamax
0: yeah yeah I mean, really, it kind of makes me feel like I've been sitting on my butt by not having actually finished Sword and
1: Shield. Have you finished them? I have not, but uh, you're right. I kind of feel like I've been sitting on my butt as well. No more resting on my laurels, Chris.
0: I know, I know. Like, it made me like, okay, I got to play through this game, finish the rest of those gyms. I'm only like 75% of the way through, and it's like, I got to finish those off. But uh, yeah, definitely cool to see all this content on the way, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think it definitely brings more longevity to the title. Yep, for sure. Or titles.
0: And then, in addition to this new expansion pass for Sword and Shield, sort of out of nowhere, they announced there is another Pokemon game on the way, and it is coming out very soon. It is Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX, and it hits on March 6th, less than two months away.
1: Yeah, they kind of let off with this one, but this was kind of a pretty big surprise.
0: Yeah, it certainly was. And this is a remake of Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Red Rescue Team and Blue Rescue Team, From, you know, back on the Game Boy Advance and the DS like 15 years ago. You know, this was a very different spin on Pokemon. Instead of being an RPG, it's a dungeon crawler. And, you know, for the first time you had Pokemon that talked.
1: That's right. And not just in the TV show.
0: Yeah, I remember. I think that was actually like the cover line on Nintendo Power when this game was first being shown off. I believe it said, let's talk on the front. And of course, if you didn't know what that meant, it made no sense whatsoever. But once you start figuring out what it meant, it's like, okay, that's why it says that.
1: <laughs> you know, the last time this game came out, you and I worked together. <laughs> yep. It was a kind of a scary thought. Yep, yep. Very frightening.
0: But yeah, it's not just the same old game as before. As you can tell from the title, it sort of seems to be combining these two games into one. I don't really know how that works, but uh, I guess somewhere you'll get to decide whether you're doing the Red Rescue Team stuff or the Blue Rescue Team stuff. Also, it is now full 3D as far as the visuals go. It has a very cool-looking storybook-shaded aesthetic. You know, got some watercolor stuff going on there that looks really, really nice. And uh, there's also a demo that's out. Now, Pete, have you had a chance to play the demo at all yet?
1: I haven't, but I definitely want to pick this up because I do think the art style is pretty cool and I kind of want to give it a shot.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no reason not to. It is free. It'll help you decide if it's something that you want to keep on playing. And, you know, I don't remember if this was in the original Rescue Team games or not, but you take this personality test at the very beginning and that determines what Pokemon you're going to play as.
1: Oh, yeah, I think it definitely is in the original. (laughs) Okay, that's good to know.
0: Yeah, I did that in the demo, and I was told that I am a Bulbasaur.
1: <laughs> I mean, I could have told you that.
0: But, uh, you know, if you don't like that, you can still just be like, yeah, I don't like that, and just change it to whatever you want. Yeah. So, in the end, I end up uh, changing it to a Charmander. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's me.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm
0: Hoffmander the Charmander. You know, no two oh, ways right. about
1: it. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. You're waiting to upgrade to a Hoffzard?
0: Uh Something like that, yes,
1: yes. Yeah.
0: Anyway, you know, it is still very much a mystery dungeon game. That means random dungeons. You don't really know what's ahead. You're basically moving from square to square on sort of a grid layout. You know, the enemies take an action every time you do. So it's quite a different experience from the traditional Pokemon game.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a roguelike. Oh, yeah, very much so. But kind of before that genre even really existed.
0: Well, I wouldn't go that far. The Mystery Dungeon games were already pretty popular in Japan when this hit, but it certainly did make the genre more well-known in the West and gave it a Pokemon twist, of course. I don't know if it has permadeath like is common in roguelikes, but certainly as far as like the random dungeon designs and things like that go, yeah, it's very much cut from that cloth. Yeah, pretty cool. Anyway, what's also cool is that your progress from the demo actually carries over to the full game. So if you do play through it and decide, yes, I absolutely want to pick this up and continue this game when it comes out in March, you will totally have that option.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I love it when they do that.
0: Yeah, that's always very convenient.
1: Very nice. I got to be honest, I wasn't really super thrilled with this one because, you know, for me, time's a little limited. I don't get to play all the games (laughs) I want. But the art style of this game is really making me want to pick it up.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very much on the fence. I'm usually not a huge fan of this style of game. Something that's sort of a dungeon crawler usually turns me off. But I really like the fact that this demo is out there and I will continue to play through it. And that will help me make up my mind. So, yeah, that is certainly uh, very appreciated
1: as far as I'm concerned. Is there any uh, online so we can play uh, together?
0: I don't think so. I'm checking Nintendo's press site right now and it only says one player. So, sorry, guess we'll have to uh, do that in some other game.
1: I'll just have to fly there and beat you down.
0: My, you're very feisty today, Pete. <laughs> Akage no pito All mm-hmm. All right, so let us move on to another news item. This one from the folks over at Way Forward, and uh, I better start this one with a disclaimer. Uh, I am now actually a Way Forward employee, so I am required to say that oh. before I talk about their stuff. But uh, the opinions, nonetheless, are my own.
1: Should I say congrats? <laughs>
0: uh, yes, you may. Yes, you may.
1: <laughs> well, congrats.
0: But uh, yeah, we put out a new trailer recently for a game called Vitamin Connection that is coming out on February 20th. It has this wacky retro 50s feeling. You play as characters named Vita Boy and Mina Girl, and you basically go inside people's bodies and try to heal them. And you're doing that by sort of playing through these 2D auto-scrolling sort of old-school shooter stages. But I'd say it's a little bit more methodical than the classic shooter with a bunch of different twists. And I mean like literal twists, like there's an exploration element. You have to like rotate your ship to get through the passages. You have to use different ends of your ship to break through different colored barriers. Use a claw tool to move objects out of the way. And then, it's also punctuated with these different subgames or mini games where you're doing stuff like rhythm style actions or playing Pong or like tracing a little path. It's just really goofy. You encounter a lot of silly characters and crazy situations and it can be played solo. But I think the thing that's gonna be really cool is playing it in co-op mode where each player controls a different aspect of the ship that's on the screen and you know syncing up with the other player with co-op partnership in mind. Have you managed to check out the trailer for this one?
1: Yeah, the trailer for this actually looked pretty cool. I like the idea of multiplayer. You know, kind of the same thing as like the stretchers or something where, yes, you can play it by yourself, but playing it two-player seems just like a ton of fun. And I also just kind of like the quirkiness of it. it. Kind of reminded me of a little bit of like Katamari where you're, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just, you know, lots of weird sight gags and like just stuff happening all over the screen.
0: Yep, yep, I think that's exactly what we were going for. So I am very happy to hear you say that, Pete. That game is supposed to be out next month, but if you're interested in the physical version, the pre-orders will start this Friday, January 17th, on limited run games. And also there's going to be a physical Switch version of Mighty Switch Force Collection. And so if you've been holding out on that, you'll be able to pick that up as well. Also, both versions will have limited editions. So if you're interested in that, make sure you get onto their website nice and early so you can grab that before it sells out. Because usually those things go pretty fast.
1: Yeah. Hoffman buys them all. (laughs) I wish. Yeah, I'm excited about this game, actually, because I feel like the Switch still, you know, as many good multiplayer games as there are, I feel like there's still a big gap in the titles that are kind of like snipper clips and those type of two player Mm -hmm. games, you can just kind of pull up anywhere and just kind of play with a friend. So excited to play this one.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Also, this one really was made from the ground up for Switch. You know, it's got a lot of Switch exclusive features, you know, aside from making good use of the Joy-Cons, it also has a lot of HD rumble. It also makes use of the IR sensor for one of the sub games. So yeah, if you are a Switch enthusiast, and especially if you are a Switch multiplayer enthusiast, this should absolutely be on your radar.
1: Yeah, that local multiplayer is uh, few and far between. But when a good one comes along, it makes it totally worth it. For sure.
0: And that takes care of our news for this week. Let us move along to some listener mail. Now, recently, we went online onto Twitter and we asked some of our listeners what they thought about all this Pokemon news that we've been talking about already on the show. And here are a few of the responses to that. We got one from at Adam Fowler 23, who says, unexpected, but welcome. Welcome. I much prefer this over having to start over with a new version, and it'll be great having so many old Pokémon added back. Hoping for Snubbull, it's an English Bulldog. Come on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that uh, seems like that would be just a no-brainer.
0: Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? Then we have a comment from at SmeargleDial, who wrote... When they reveal that first trailer, I was sure it was going to be Gen 4 remakes. Instead, they announced something even better. March is going to be a busy month having a swap between playing Mystery Dungeon and Animal Crossing.
1: <laughs> it's a very good point. Uh, I can't believe those are both coming out so soon. <laughs> yeah, crazy.
0: <laughs> at StrawBecky underscore 81 says, if March wasn't chock full of video game goodness already. Yep, definitely underscoring that point. And then at SPhil64 writes, I was happy with it. Getting a DLC add on for the game is much better than an ultra version of Sword and Shield, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, Phil.
0: Then from at Alex Osborne UK, he writes Not sure what to say about the Pokemon news, other than I was disappointed it wasn't a direct about Animal Crossing and the coming year. Oh, but $30 seems pricey, but that's probably just me. Nope, definitely not just you, Mr. Alex Osborne UK. <laughs>
1: You son of a...
0: And then, at LawnDragon underscore UK writes, I disagree with all the backlash of adding 200 plus Pokemon that should have been there in the beginning. This DLC is like a third game, but distributed in a different way. Ends up cheaper than picking up a full retail price third game too. Now, I just need to pick up the
1: game itself. (laughs) That's funny. I kind of wonder how many people are in that camp.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see if there are people that are like, oh, yeah, now that this game is going to have all this new Pokemon, all this new stuff, and maybe they sat it out for some reason earlier on. I mean, I don't know why they would, but uh, yeah, it'd be interesting if it does bring a lot of new users on board, for sure.
1: I could also see a world where, uh, you know, GameStop or something does something where they sell the game plus the expansion pack for a little bit of a discount. So who knows?
0: I can't see them doing a discount, but uh, you never know. You never
1: know. I mean, maybe 10 bucks.
0: I wouldn't bet your beard on it. (laughs) All right, fair. And then, on top of that, we also got an email from Brian Booth, who writes, referring to uh, 2019, I've really enjoyed the show this year. I hope 2020 treats you well. One last 2019-related question for you. What was your favorite game of the year that did not come out this year? That is, a game that came out in the past, but you first experienced in 2019. Pete, do you have an answer to this question?
1: Yeah, I think for me, the answer would be Dragon's Dogma.
0: Ah, interesting. I mean... For Switch, I guess it was first in 2019, but... Uh.
1: <laughs> right, but it was uh, a game that had existed for a long time that I'd never played, so to me it was new, and uh, even though, yes, it is new on Switch, I enjoyed it a lot. It was a really in-depth game that I had read a lot of good things about and had totally overlooked, so excited to play that one.
0: All right, fair answer, fair answer. Uh, for me, you know, I really wasn't sure what kind of answer to come up with for this because it felt like everything I played was either brand new, or it was stuff that I had played before, like you know the vintage Final Fantasy games or Castlevanias or Mega Man's or you know the Super NES classics available through Nintendo Switch Online or something. But I think the answer to this question is Mario and Luigi Dream Team. That was just an older game that I ended up playing. Last year, for the first time, it turns out I had never actually played the final game. I'd only played it at E3 several years ago in a demo form, but now I actually sat down and played through several hours of the game, and like most Mario Luigi games, it is pretty darn fantastic, especially with a focus on Luigi, so I'm going with that one.
1: Yeah, the uh, writing in those are top-notch.
0: Yep, pretty much always across the board. And that does it for our listener letters for this week. So let's close up the mailbag, and then we will take a little intermission, and then we come back, we will discuss Um, this
1: week's... Yes, Pete? Is there a problem? Uh, Sorry, I had something stuck in my throat.
0: Oh, all right then.
1: No, wait. We'll take an intermission. Hold up.
0: Yes, Pete? Is there a problem?
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. What is that? Somebody has to hassle you. Hassle me? What do you mean? It's time to hassle the hawk. Ah,
0: right, yes. Okay, then, what do you have for me this week?
1: Dear Video Game Professor Hoffman. Yes? If you had free reign to design a Pokémon, what would you base it on, and what type would it be?
0: Well, that I've actually been thinking about for a long time, Pete. (laughs) And
1: I'm not surprised.
0: I think, initially, it would be a guinea pig Pokémon, and it would be called Nappy Bar. (laughs) And then, of course, you would evolve it into the Capybara Pokemon, Slappy Bar. (laughs) Wow. And with a name like Slappy Bar, I think it would probably have to be a fighting-type Pokemon. Don't you think? Right. Or maybe it would be, like, part fighting-type and part grass-type, because, you know... Those Capybaras like to live in the grass. So they like to live in water, too. So maybe it would be fighting type and water type. It would probably start as a water type and then evolve into a water slash fighting type. (laughs) Yeah, some combination of those. So, yes, my dream would be to have the Capybara type Pokemon Slappy Bar. That's the one I would create.
1: Wow, that sounds pretty cool.
0: Or it would just be an oven mitt named Oven Mitt.
1: (laughs) All right, so it's only a two-evolver, huh? Do you foresee that in a future Pokemon game, it would actually evolve into a third evolution?
0: Yes, the third form would be Capoeira Barra, and it would be a martial arts master.
1: Right. A little side note, nappy in England means a diaper, so that's basically <laughs> diaper barra.
0: Well, this probably wouldn't be from the Galar region. I'm thinking more, it would be, you know, taking some naps,
1: is what I'm saying. <laughs> It's a very lazy giving You're basically nappy bar. Is that what you're telling me?
0: I don't think I am, <laughs> but
1: uh, I'll let you think of it that way, sure. I feel like you're more nappy than slappy, so...
0: Well, I definitely think that we could all benefit from living lives more like the Kappa bar. Wouldn't you?
1: You make a fair point
0: there, huh? <laughs> Why, well, thank you, Kyle. Kind of... Okay, well, with that out of the way... Uh, I think we shall take our intermission, and then when we come back, we will discuss this week's bigger topic, which is the best games of 2019. Alright, we are back, and we are ready to discuss this week's bigger topic, which is the best Nintendo platform games of 2019.
1: This is a very good year in gaming, don't you think?
0: Well, there was certainly a lot of stuff out there. Although I have to say, with our discussion here, maybe it's more appropriate to say it's actually our favorite games of 2019, because, you know, try as we might, we only played a fraction of what was released this past year. I mean, I might have played, you know, 80-something different games... But there were like, what, you know, a thousand new releases?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's really not fair how many games are on the eShop these days.
0: Yeah, this is by no means a comprehensive coverage of every game out there. But nonetheless, we played as many major releases as we could. And here we are with our favorites from this past year. So first, we're going to have a few categorical awards, followed by our personal top five releases and note that for the most part we're only counting games that released on Nintendo systems for the first time in 2019 if it's a game that could have won an award in a previous year like you know Ace Attorney Trilogy on the 3DS or something (laughs) then we're not going to count that otherwise you know I'd be giving it to Mega Man 2 every year You know, if it's a game that is new to Nintendo, even if it is slightly older, like, you know, for instance, Dragon's Dogma or Witcher 3 or whatever, then it totally counts. So with that explanation out of the way, let us move along to our first category, which is Best Graphics.
1: You really would pick Mega Man 2 every time.
0: (laughs) I really, really would. Pete, do you want to start first with this category or shall I? I'll go. All right. (laughs) Pete, what is your pick?
1: For my choice for best graphics, you know, there were a lot of pretty games out there this year. I really enjoyed Luigi's Mansion. Oh, okay. I couldn't believe how far really, you know, the GameCube Luigi's Mansion looks great. Mm -hmm. And just comparing this one to that one, it's unbelievable. Just the graphical prowess, the little details, the things that kind of wobble and shake. and mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like so much in every room. So much in every room. And then, you know, just like little nuances. You know, you see little things run around here and there. You see like you peep through a hole in the wall and you see things you didn't see before. I want to hear about you peeping
0: through holes in the wall, Pete. Well,
1: <laughs> you know, just in general, the game really surprised me how pretty it was. I forgot that, you know, the graphics of the Switch have really bumped things up to a whole new level.
0: Yeah, you are absolutely right. The game looks absolutely phenomenal. But for me, that's not the one that I went with. I chose Astral Chain. Uh-huh. And for me, this is one of the most visually impressive games I have ever seen on a Nintendo system. I just love you know all the detail that is in everything. You know, the uniforms, the machines, the buildings. And it just gives this entire world this living, breathing cyberpunk feel that makes me just want to get out there and explore everything I can find. And then on top of just everything looking, you know, so super gorgeous and detailed, they frequently would add like these shiny rain effects and it just makes things look even prettier. So, (laughs) you know, I think this game nailed it both in terms of art direction, you know, where it's sort of this super hyper detailed anime style and then also on a technical level that just brings everything to life and i think just adds up to a absolutely beautiful game so yeah astral chain for me
1: well you are right that is a very very pretty game
0: yes it certainly is (laughs) moving along to our next category best sound
1: now why don't you go first this time
0: all right well my choice is river city girls so first of all here's my way forward disclaimer okay now that i've said that (laughs) Second, man, if you have not heard the music to River City Girls, you are totally... Missing out. It has this very unique yet outstanding 80s synth pop sound. And a great number of the tracks are vocals performed by a very talented artist named Megan McDuffie. And to be honest, I was not entirely sold on the direction of the soundtrack at first Mm -hmm. because it feels so different from what I expect from a beat-em-up, you know, compared to something like Final Fight or Double Dragon or Streets of Rage. Right. But the more I heard it, the more I like it. The songs are super catchy. They are not to be missed. If you like stuff like Sayonara Wild Hearts, which was kind of all about the music and also was a strong contender for me, then I would say this game is absolutely worth playing, you know, pretty much just for the musical. I mean, it's great in a lot of ways, But uh, the music might be my absolute favorite thing about River City Girls. So, yeah, totally worth checking out. Uh, Also, a quick shout-out to Cadence of Hyrule. That was awesome as well.
1: (laughs) Yes, of course. you got to say Cadence. But, no, you're right. Especially in River City Girls, I don't normally gravitate towards, you know, J-pop kind of thing. I can't tell you how often I was listening to the music in that game and being like, oh, this is actually a pretty good track.
0: (laughs) Yeah, a lot of times I would just sort of, you know, leave it on in the background to listen to it cuz it is that darn good.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm like what is she singing about? And I'm like it doesn't actually matter. It's kind of cool. <laughs> So what's your pick? So this one, I feel like it's cheating a little bit, but I just, I love the arrangement so much in it. It's an old game, but it's brought to life in this new modern era. And that's Link's Awakening.
0: Okay. That's a fair choice.
1: You know, the Link's Awakening soundtrack in general is a solid one. It's for back in the Game Boy era. It was as good as it could be, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but you know, they really bring it to life. It feels like full orchestra, little riffs, you know, even like the little nuances of picking up items and hearing like somebody plucking it on like a violin or something. Mm -hmm. It's really, really impressive and also just like heartwarming. The whole game is kind of chock full of these fun little like, I don't know, for me, nostalgia moments. The sound really plays a huge part in that role.
0: Yeah, it's not just the music, the sound effects are absolutely top-notch as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I can certainly see where you're coming from there. Great choice.
1: Oh, well, thank you.
0: Next up, we have Best Retro Game. And this was a hard category for me this year because I felt like half the games I played were some sort of retro-type game, whether it's a (laughs) retro collection or a port of an older game or a retro homage or a straight-up remake. But I'm giving this to Konami's Contra Collection because I have wanted... To see this for so so long and it absolutely 100 percent delivered i have played through the original <laughs> nes contra in this collection with friends a few times and it is still one of the best games ever and getting not only the original nes contra but the arcade game the japanese version super c super contra contra 3 the game boy game you know it is so much fun great adrenaline pumping shooting and platforming goodness all in one package you know it's pretty much all i could want as a contra fan so yeah the konami that i once loved is long gone but you know this collection is a great farewell present
1: yeah it really is and i have played that collection quite a bit myself excellent choice all right what did you pick for me you know you may not count this i guess but to me because i haven't played an advance wars in so long I had to give this one to Wargroove. Uh Uh-huh. I guess part of what made Wargroove stand out to me was that I have an Advance Wars shape hole in my heart.
0: (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I hear you.
1: And I really miss that, like, you know, the quirky charm of the dialogue. I miss, you know, all the little animations of the units pulling up into battle. I miss the really simple, you know, 16-bit style overworld map and just the way kind of things like all animate. They have like three frames of animations that all look like they're jiggling or, (laughs) you know, kind of rocking to the music. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I just found myself really enjoying Wargroove all the way to the very end.
0: Yeah, I mean, if Nintendo is not going to give us a new Advance Wars game, I would think that uh, Wargroove is a very nice way to uh, fill that blank for the time being. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, it definitely captured my attention this year in a way that other games did not.
0: All right. Understandable. So next up, we have Best Multiplayer. And the one that I went with for this is The
1: Stretchers. Ah, I had a feeling.
0: Yeah, I mean, every time I got together with friends over the last few months... This is the game I wanted to break out. It doesn't matter if these friends were gamers or not, skilled or unskilled. The Stretchers is just stupid fun. And when I say that, I'm having the emphasis on both stupid (laughs) and fun. It is just laugh out loud ridiculous at the stupid things you do whether you're crashing through walls or getting mauled by pigs or watching people bounce around helplessly on trampolines <laughs> or you're just walking around singing and clapping like a moron <laughs> you know i played this with a group of friends a few weeks ago and we just kept taking turns with the controllers and of course this is a game where it's just way way more fun like we were saying in the first part of the show you know just so much better in multiplayer than playing solo and so for me that's really the clincher and why I rank it above some of the other great multiplayer experiences of 2019.
1: Yeah that's fair. The Stretchers is one that I feel like is definitely going to be a cult classic for a while.
0: (laughs) Yeah I think that's a good way to put it.
1: For me I went with something a little bit less local multiplayer and more online. All right. And that was Killer Queen Black.
0: Oh man you were going to pick that one.
1: (laughs) Well first off You know, I waited a year for this thing to come out, practically. (laughs) That's right. But then, secondly, just the Killer Queen game is so fun. And up to this point, I've only been able to play it in an arcade. And... You know, unless the arcade machine is on free play, which I have encountered a few times, it costs a lot of money. And then there's quite often I'm playing against people that are really good, and I just get destroyed. So being able to play online and you know match up with just a random group of folks, I had really, really seamless experiences with that.
0: In the Switch version, you yeah, made.
1: and I couldn't tell. If there was like people dropping in or out, I don't know exactly how they work the sorcery, but it actually worked really well and was a very seamless multiplayer experience. It's one of the best multiplayer games that came out in this last decade, and you hadn't been able to play it on a console until recently. And so if you haven't played it, I highly recommend it.
0: All right. I appreciate the recommendation. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are our categorical awards. Now we're going to move on to our countdown of our personal top five games of 2019. Uh, Pete, you want to kick it off with your number five?
1: <laughs> I certainly do, Chris. And my number five is uh, one that kind of got a lot of press this year, but it was all deserved. Okay. And that is Untitled Goose Game. Ah, Okay. Honk, honk. <laughs> yeah, I really just had a ton of fun with this game. I didn't know what to expect. The art style immediately grabbed me and sort of, you know, is intriguing because the way the game kind of starts, you, you almost mm-hmm. like...
0: Grabbed you with its beak? Yeah,
1: you almost go from like a... Wouldn't let go. <laughs> all right. You gotta go into a tutorial mode that just kind of seamlessly transitions into the game. And then before you know it, you've seamlessly transitioned to the end. You know, just the way the mechanics work... There's something about the game that, I don't know, is inherently fun. The idea that you're this goose, the idea that you're kind of a jerk... (laughs) <laughs> and there's a honk button. Which works
0: perfectly for you, Pete.
1: Well, you can't delete any Final Fantasy save files or anything. <laughs> but uh, it's just an interesting take on a game mechanic that I would never have thought I wanted. But after playing it, it's like, wow, this game actually really works. And I can also see it as being sort of a good game to introduce non-gamers to. Yeah, uh, totally. It just because it's such a compelling idea. And it's fun.
0: Yep, yep. It is the most authentic goose simulator out there on the market. <laughs>
1: You're not honking around.
0: Yeah, that one did not make my top five, but you're totally right. That was the game I would break out after the stretchers when I had my non-gamer friends around. I'd be like, here, just check this thing out. Start playing it. You're a goose. And they'd be like, what? (laughs) And they would be like totally captivated. (laughs) So yeah, just fun for gamers and non-gamers alike. Totally. Okay, so my number five game is actually more than one game. I'm totally cheating on this one here. Yeah, I'm actually choosing final fantasy 7
1: ah. and
0: 8 and 9 <laughs> and 10 and ten two, and 12 hey dude look i mean i couldn't pick just one because you know i mean you could sort of argue they shouldn't be on here at all because you know yeah that's originally they didn't even come out in 2019 but this is the first time any of these have come out on a nintendo platform and they all came out in this one year, and they're all like freaking amazing, phenomenal, must-play RPGs that, you know, if you are a Nintendo owner, you know, you have never had an opportunity to play these before. I couldn't pick just one, man. So, yeah, I mean, they're all fantastic for different reasons. They all have great play mechanics, though. They've all got memorable characters, intriguing stories, wonderful music. You know, some of them even have convenient new features that make them more accessible here in the modern era. And, you know, in the case of Final Fantasy VIII, it even got a graphical facelift. I mean, like, you know, Seven is my nostalgic favorite and is probably the most accessible from a gameplay standpoint. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Twelve has a special place in my heart, too, and it probably holds up the best, being that it is the most recent and most modern. But at any rate, if you are a Nintendo-only player and have never experienced any of these titles, you know, go play them. Pick any of them. They are all amazing. Just, you know, play some of this Final Fantasy goodness that is finally on Nintendo Systems <laughs> after 2019.
1: Yeah. All right. I'll allow it because you're right. It is. You can't really quantify. You know, like which one's the best. I don't know. But they all are amazing games, and they all belong on the Switch. And it's kind of crazy that we now live in a world where that's happening. Square's putting games <laughs> out on Nintendo systems again, and not only that, almost the entire Final Fantasy lineup, or at least in the modern era.
0: Yeah. I mean, it might have taken you know twenty. 25 years to get some of these, <laughs> yeah. but yes, at last they are finally on here. So, okay, moving along. Pete, what's your number four?
1: All right, my number four. I said it before, I'll say it again. I've got Wargroove on here.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, you know, not just being the best retro game I played, for me, it was one of the best all around games that I played. It just held my attention. It is a great degree of difficulty. You'd get to some spots where you're like, this is impossible. <laughs> and then I would. You know, maybe turn it off for an evening or two and then come back to it and be like, OK, I, I think I've got an idea here. And then uh, somehow work out a battle plan and defeat the foe. And there, it was pretty cool, too. There's a lot of like little side mission stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, even if you didn't necessarily, you know, some of these side ones are a little harder. You can actually skip them and then come back later after you've built up some chops and, you know, try your hand again. So just in general, if you haven't played it, I can't recommend it enough.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a good game, but uh, yeah, that's some very high praise indeed. Moving on to my number four then, I have picked Super Mario Maker 2. And, you know, I figure, how could you not love Super Mario Maker 2? It is basically Mario times infinity. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, this time out, the game had a much stronger single-player story component than the original Super Mario Maker. Plus, you have the new gameplay styles, New objects, new obstacles, new enemies, new music, all kinds of stuff, including some very cool unlockable goodies like, you know, the Super Mario Land content. And then just when you think it can't get <laughs> any cooler, Nintendo goes and adds like the Legend of Zelda content in there. So, yeah, it just keeps getting better and better. And they apparently aren't done yet. They have even announced there is more stuff on the way. Wow.
1: Yeah, it really was the gift that kept on giving.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's just so many fun possibilities. You you can make traditional platforming levels. You can make puzzle-focused levels. You can have levels that highlight certain abilities. You can make super hardcore, difficult, challenging stages. And there is more new stuff to play every day. You know, my only complaint is that I just haven't had more time to create more (laughs) levels and play more levels. But, uh, you know, I do have a couple out there. So, you know, if you're willing to give it a go, my maker ID is mk 2 xh 2 gf
1: Wow I, uh, I might have to go play some of your levels
0: Yeah, do it
1: <laughs> You're absolutely right Mario Maker 2 is a very solid game and couldn't ask for a better sequel to the original that no one got to play because it was on Wii U <laughs> So yeah very exciting that that game is out and as you mentioned it's exciting to see what else they'll put out for it because it seems like they're committed to making that game as robust as possible
0: Yeah, I can't wait to find out. So what's your number three?
1: All right, my number three, again, something I mentioned earlier, but I had to go with Luigi's Mansion. All right. You know, I felt like, again, I really did like Luigi's Mansion on GameCube, and this blew that away in every aspect that I could imagine. Honestly, I was a little worried that the mechanic would get old, but I really found ways to keep enjoying it. And, you know, just the atmosphere and the kind of the goofy characters and... Professor E. Gadd and Yeah, had a lot of personality. And Gooigi slithering through stuff, and that sound. <laughs> all of it adds to make up for a very compelling entry to the series, and uh, no wonder why they released it right in the holiday sweet spot.
0: Yep, for sure. It is an excellent game, no doubt about it. Now, my number three game is a title called AI The Somnium Files. Uh-huh. Wow. And this is a game that, you know, I really think has not gotten enough attention. Even for me here on Power Pros, I had barely played it when I covered it on the show a few months back, but man, I absolutely love this game. I love it so much I actually bought it twice. <laughs> First, I bought the regular edition and then I bought the collector's edition, you know, just because. But basically, this is an M-rated mystery adventure game where you are trying to solve crimes by unraveling the mysteries in people's dreams. You enter the dreams, and so naturally you get exposed to these pretty trippy situations, and you know that's always fun and interesting to try to solve these riddles. But what really sold me on the game is the great characters and the overarching plot. Like, There has not been a game in recent memory where I'm playing it and just so I wanted to grab someone who's also playing it and be like, oh, man, do you think this is where the story is going? Or, <laughs> you know, what do you think the deal is with this character? I just got, you know, so involved and engrossed with, uh, you know, what these characters were up to. I really like the main character, Date, who is, you know, he's supposed to be the super skilled investigator, but he's also kind of goofy and sort of a big pervert. And then uh, he has this AI partner named Aiba, and the interactions between them are just absolutely superb. And it really reminds me of the interactions between uh, Gillian and Metal Gear in Snatcher, which is one of my all-time favorite games. and I really can't think of a you know higher compliment than comparing this game to that yeah.
1: game. No kidding.
0: And that's just for starters. you <laughs> know a lot of the other characters are really fun too. You know, there's this grade school girl who's like, Inexplicably, a badass martial arts master. She might be my favorite character in the game. You know, the gameplay itself is mostly you know, real-time 3D exploration mixed with a little bit of point-and-click and a few quick-time events. But with the characters and story this good, it really elevates everything to must-play status. You know, I kind of feel like this game is underperforming, but I highly recommend it to anyone who loves good characters and good story.
1: Chris, you're definitely making it a hard sell for me too. <laughs> you know, it really does sound compelling and yeah, I love the premise, so I might have to think about picking that up.
0: Yeah, this is the one from the creator of 999 and Virtues Last Reward and yeah, it has, you know, been sold at a discount already. I've seen it you know, like half off and stuff. So, if it does pique your interest, I would say absolutely check it out.
1: All right. Yeah, it looks great.
0: Okay. Moving on then, what's your number two?
1: My number two, I keep going with the tried and true, but this game made me extremely happy and I won't forget it anytime soon, but that's The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. This remake just does a fantastic job of bringing you back... If you've played the original, it's almost this pixel perfect recreation of the original, but in the best way possible. Basically, you get to relive all the moments you had from the Game Boy game. They add just enough things where you're like, oh, this is compelling, and I want to figure out, like, how do I collect all these little figurines? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You know, or even check out the Create a Dungeon. That even had me sort of interested for a minute. I couldn't wait to get through this game to explore all the areas so I could see what they look like in this new aesthetic Mm -hmm. of this little toy box of, you know, Link in uh, Koholint Island and, you know, get to all the things exactly how I remember. And just even some of the things that I would kind of forgotten about. But, you know, some of the dungeons are much harder than you'd think. Like it would require that I kind of sit down and log off for a minute and then come back to it and be like, where the heck is this key that I can't find? (laughs) Anyway.
0: Yeah, the Eagle Tower is no joke.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I couldn't be happier with a remake. And Nintendo knows how to do them, and they do them at the right time, where you've almost forgotten about it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that game is amazing. Yep,
0: indeed it is. It's certainly a worthy choice.
1: What about you? What's your number two?
0: Well, my number two is probably going to sound a little bit boring, because we've already talked about it. It is Luigi's Mansion 3. Yeah. (laughs) And, yeah, I completely agree with pretty much everything you said. I think it is a fantastic step forward for one of Nintendo's, you know, probably more overlooked franchises, but like we were saying earlier, you know, everywhere you look, there's just you know so much detail and so much personality. The animations are great, and you really get this feeling of what Luigi's all about as a character. Each room is just So full of so much fun stuff to interact with. And then, of course, the puzzles are really well designed. You know, they tease you just enough before you can figure things out on your own. The game is also really good about, you know, pushing things to their limit in other ways. You know, just when it's on the verge of overstaying its welcome, it moves on to something new and something different. You know, I'm specifically talking about all the different themed floors of the hotel that really keep things fresh. And also, the game is just, you know, super satisfying and almost every way it's like you know the developers know about some special chemical reaction (laughs) in my brain that you know when you suck out all the junk in a room or solve a puzzle or especially when you slam the ghosts back and forth into breakable objects into each other like somehow next level games just knows exactly how to tap into this and make this you know satisfaction just run through my head and also you know when it comes to developer if i didn't know any better i would totally think that this game was made in-house at NCL. And again, this is another, you know, about as high as a compliment that I can give to any
1: developer. So yeah, I'm just loving this one. Yeah, I mean, they even have a virtual boy in there for Crynell (laughs) app.
0: That's right. They do indeed. (laughs) Okay, so the moment of truth has arrived. Pete, what is your number one pick of 2019?
1: Well, when I was making this list, I was like, I kind of can't believe that this is my number one, but... I don't think I've ever had a a number one of this variety, but I went with Pokemon Sword. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I can't really explain it. I really just enjoyed this entry into the Pokemon world. For me, it's kind of been a long time coming. You know, I played Sun and Moon, but really didn't play it as much as I wanted to. And I feel like this kind of trumps that in a way, just because, you know, it's on Switch. It's a little more accessible for me. I really like the new wild areas they've added. I think just the fact that it's me getting to revisit the land of Pokemon in high def on my new console. I know that sounds ridiculous, but the fact that it's like a mainline Pokemon game on the console.
0: Yeah, console quality Pokemon mainline for the first time Mm -hmm.
1: just makes me really really happy
0: yeah understandable
1: and the game is good enough that to me i think it is my game of the year
0: okay all right that is a fair choice i've been enjoying that game very much myself it is not my number one Uh, my number one is also going to be a little less exciting because it's again a game we've already talked about (laughs) it is the legend of zelda link's awakening
1: ah well i'm glad we're sort of on the same page
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, being a huge Zelda fan, that shouldn't be a huge surprise. Although, at first, I wasn't even sure if I should really count this one. I'm like, you know, it's a game that came out in 93, (laughs) and it's so true to the original in so many ways. This even counts as a brand new game. But, you know, I thought about it some more, and it's like, first of all, this is about as different as a remake can get while still feeling like the original. Totally. And two... There really is no game I enjoyed more than this in 2019. I mean, everything is just so charming. You know, the super cute graphics, those fantastic sound effects I was talking about before. The music, as you mentioned, is phenomenal. And, you know, it's just so ridiculous. It has the same crazy scenarios and story of the original, those are fully intact, but then there are also these new things to find. You know, some of the bosses require new techniques, there are those custom dungeons. You know, there's more stuff to find when it comes to the secret seashells and the heart containers. Right. So, you know, that just sort of keeps you guessing and adds this extra bit of fun to a game that I already really, really loved. So, I mean, you add all together and you get, you know, great dungeons, cool items, fun exploration, improved controls over the original. And it is pretty much everything I ever loved about the classic Zelda series, just polished and brought to a new level. And so for that, you know, like you were saying, Pete, whether you are a fan of the original or a brand new Zelda player, you should absolutely check out this game. And that is why it is my number one game of 2019.
1: Uh, Nicely done. And yeah, I guess that's something that I felt about Pokemon was that I just got lost in it. I would just like pick it up and end up playing it for hours.
0: Yep. Very understandable. And yeah, I guess that pretty much takes care of our best of 2019 big topic. But uh, I did want to mention, I put a call on Twitter to any of our listeners who want to chime in on what their game of the year was. And the overwhelming most common response was Fire Emblem Three Houses.
1: Wow. Wow. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yep yep not too surprising i guess considering that that also won on the nintendo power podcast that's right but uh in addition to that one uh some frequently mentioned games were super mario maker 2 the legend of zelda links awakening dragon quest 11s pokemon Sorian shield the witcher 3 Wargroove, marvel ultimate alliance 3 Gris, Dragon Quest Builders 2, Risk of Rain 2, Never Give Up, Ukulele, and the Impossible Lair, uh, and then also Into the Breach and Broforce both got mentioned, even though they came out in 2018. (laughs) Uh, But overall, a fine selection of choices from our listeners, I would say.
1: Yeah, there were a lot of good games in 2019, and I think all of those are fair answers.
0: Yeah, yeah, there was just lots of great stuff to choose from, without a doubt. And with that said, it is time, I believe, to wrap up our big topic and end this week's episode of the podcast. But before we go, we do have time for one more thing, and that is a dramatic reading. Mm -hmm. This time it is the eShop description of the Nintendo Switch game, Happy Animals Bowling. When nobody's looking, animals love to come together and organize bowling tournaments. Yep, they just love bowling. (laughs) This time, the turnout was amazing. The little lamb is here. The crocodile is here. And even the champion, Piglet Joffrey, is here. Come on, it will be fun. Ten locations. Bowl in the forest, desert, and many other parts of the world. Twelve characters. Many funny animals are waiting for you to play. Play with friends. Up to four players on a single Switch console. Campaign. Defeat all rivals and challenge the champion, Joffrey Piglet.
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure about Joffrey Piglet, but I'm kind of curious now.
0: The thing that I actually like the most about this description is that they are unsure if his name is Piglet Joffrey or Joffrey Piglet. <laughs> you get to take your choice.
1: Wow, I didn't, even, <laughs> I didn't even catch that. Yep, it's true, it's true. I just like that they're like trying to encourage you. Come on, it'll be fun.
0: <laughs> well, I'm gonna take quite a bit of convincing. I have seen some videos of this game and uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm not quite sure what to think.
1: You know, I'm looking online and I see there's a demo available.
0: Oh, is there?
1: Yeah. Well. Although this feels like the kind of game that might delete your memory. (laughs) There's some weird bug that like corrupts your save file.
0: All right. Well, I will let you uh, download and play the demo first (laughs) and uh, then tell me if that happens.
1: I'm not sure if I trust Room 710 games.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, then convince someone else to do it and let me know what happens.
1: (laughs) How do you find these games?
0: (laughs) Man, there are so many games on the Switch. Just uh, going through the eShop and browsing, you never know what you're going to find. <laughs> anyway, that does it for this week. As always, you can find us at powerprose.podbean.com, and you can follow us at Power Pros Pod on both Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me, Thehoff, on Twitter at ChrisThehoff, and you can find Akage no Pitokun at Burly Red Yeti. You can email us at powerprospod at gmail.com, and if you like the podcast, it would be great if you told your friends about us. Thanks for listening, everybody. For myself, Pete Michaud. Come on, it'll be fun. And our sparring partner, Terry Bogard. Are you okay? We will see you next time.